lives on tape. It lives on tape. Stop worrying. Another technological disaster. It lives. It lives. It lives. Look out! That slithering death is right on you! Well, 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 welcome everyone to It Lives on Tape, official first episode after our introductory episode zero. I am... The very first. Oh, the very, very first, and we're doing the Neon Demon <laughs> Disaster. And uh, my name is Torko, and I'm here with my lovely host, Tanner, as well. How are you going today, buddy? Good, thanks, Torko. And this is actually our inaugural episode yes indeed we looked it up it means what we think it does yeah it's, we're fine to use it i forgot about that i i uh, we are wordy boys yeah i was too quick with my words uh last episode and i threw out inaugural without exactly knowing what it meant but we'll no, you know what i that that's on me like i shouldn't have doubted you <laughs> you're a writer i should I should just, I, I should know my lane. I should, <laughs> you know, just let you run loose with words. I appreciate that. But also there have been times in the past where I've used a word frequently and suddenly I've realized when someone has told me that that's not what it means in the way that I'm using it. So I'm an interesting kind of writer like that. I'm a bit experimental, you could say. That's just how it goes. The best kind of writer. It's uh, paving new ground. And uh, speaking of new ground, we're covering The Neon Demon, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And um, why are we calling it The Neon Demon Disaster, you ask, if it's my favorite movie of all time? Why are we calling it The Neon Demon Disaster? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why Why are we calling it this? Why would we do that to this episode? Why would we call it that? Why would we take a dump on my favorite movie? Well... The whole world already has because it was a massive flop. <laughs> it was a financial failure, okay? It did not do well, to say the least. It really didn't. It really didn't. Yeah. Uh, you pulled the numbers. Um, what have we got? $7 million to make the movie. That was its budget. Yep. So not a big budget. $3 million in the box office three million worldwide international sales everything (laughs) dvd uh posters all of it counted (laughs) gosh dismal actually i think i'm I'm not sure about this i'll have to look it up but i think the box office is just it's theater like it's theater run yeah no Um, i think so too yeah I was just, uh, I was just like scraping so together. It's not that bad. I was scraping together the pennies. I'm imagining that they made like five thousand dollars off of the DVD sales, and I'm just adding that to the total. Oh gosh, they must be like hunting down pirates as well, like yeah, like with with that kind of numbers. Yeah, like you'd want to recoup whatever you can. Uh, but yeah, we looked it up before the show. Turns out, films uh, they need like two or uh 2.5 uh times the times its budget to be profitable 
Um, yeah. So that factors in, you know, any marketing, uh, you know, press junkets, um, uh, the theater's cut uh, for, sh- for ticket sales. Um, so, yeah, three million on a seven million budget. Yeah. Ain't, ain't great. Yeah. So it's probably like over $10 million easily. And to get three million back of that, you're maybe maybe covering Keanu Reeves's cameo in the movie, <laughs> and that's about it, <laughs> wages wise. <laughs> and it really is not much more than a cameo. Uh, it's, uh, he's a fairly pivotal character. Yeah, I'd say. Um, oh yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely get into him. But yeah, we'll cover that. Also, I forgot to mention. A beautiful neon lights. I've got the neon necklace. I've got the CD glasses, the LA style. You've got the purple lighting behind you there in the foliage. Yep. And of course, yep. if you've watched Neon Demon, you know it's all about the neons and the aesthetic scenes. So we're paying homage to that beauty. That's right. It is aesthetically a very pleasing film. Uh, and I know that that is surely the reason why you love it so dearly. Exactly. Um, because in other regards, uh, I, I do have some issues with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I know that those aren't things that you necessarily uh, v- weight very strongly um, yep. when you're considering how, how much you like a movie. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, maybe <laughs> I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, We're, but I have heard a fair bit about what you like. Uh, oh yeah, and it's all about the aesthetic. To tease it, I've got something in this box. This is what I call the horror hot take box, and I've got a piece of paper in here with my thoughts written out on it, and it's going to be mind blowing for some people. But you might know oh, what's God coming. Damn. You might know what's coming, <laughs> my friend. Don't open the box. <laughs> Ooh, it's spooky box. Okay, this oh, is going to be everyone's faces after I come out with the hot take. <laughs> what is yeah, our faces? If you're listening to this and not watching it, uh, there are skulls all over the box. Oh yeah, good good point. I forget <laughs> that people can't necessarily can't see this because it is a podcast after all. <laughs> well, yes, hey. let us paint you some uh, word pictures yes. for you to look at with your mind's eye. Uh, there's a great deal deal of neon in in the frame. Uh, there's a skull box yeah. uh, that we're terrified to open. It's, um, it's like a nice sounding little wooden skull box. You can probably hear it clicking. I got it from Bali. Yeah, you can hear the spirits going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being sucked out at any moment. The horror hot take spirits of condemned souls. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well... Uh, I can't wait to get to that. (laughs) I should probably talk about the movie for people who don't know what it is, who need to be convinced to watch it after we just sizzled it like the world already did financially. So, um, which, uh, I've heard you're quite good at convincing people to watch this movie. I mean, yeah, I watched it upon your recommendation. (laughs) Uh, so that's one, but apparently you dragged several groups of friends to to the cinema to watch it. You could say that I managed to force you into watching it because I (laughs) wrote it into an episode (laughs) and then there was no choice. It's like, well, it is a horror movie 
and Torkel wrote a little like a little outline for the script so I guess I have to watch it now <laughs> you did yeah uh, you did definitely strong arm me into watching this movie yeah. but I you know it was on my list anyway okay. I will say that's that. good uh, that warms my heart a little bit but yeah I, I have I went and saw it I think I got recommended to it by uh, a friend in England who did like screenwriting or something I'm not sure I can't remember who recommended it to me but someone did I went and saw it with my partner at the time and then I loved it so much. Like seeing it on the big screen was awesome. Obviously the soundtrack mm. by uh, Cliff Martinez mm. is really good. Also, fun fact, in the soundtrack, uh, the director, Nicholas Winding Refn, uh, one of his children, Julian, uh, actually made one of the songs for the soundtrack as well, which is a nice little Easter egg there. Oh, um, lovely. Also, another fun fact, Sia was in the soundtrack <laughs> with a song. Ah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. There were some, like, sung parts in the, like, throughout the film. Yeah, some little parts. It felt a little bit jarring because, you know, otherwise it's just, like, sort of hard-hitting, primal, like, very rhythmic, uh, synthetic noise uh, or someone ripping a, a sick guitar solo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yes, I got a guitar. Look at me go. Oh, yes. Um, and then just like random scene. It. So was that Sia? Yeah. Or, so in the credits, at, in the credits, Sia's song comes on, which I think is the only time that it actually plays. Ah. So it's quite funny that ah. it, it had a like similar aesthetic throughout the whole movie. And then in the credits, it's just like, if I remember correctly, it was a beach sort of video and the credits are coming down mm-hmm. and just see has got this pop ballad that she's belting out yeah. it's like what the <laughs> hell did i just watch <laughs> thanks for coming yeah here's see ya <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i i dragged a few friends to the movie i watched it i think twice at the cinema maybe three times i'm not sure and um, also, I've purchased the movie on YouTube or Google Play. So, I've spent a good amount of money on this movie. And I've uh, helped money flow towards this movie. I would say upwards of $100. So, not bad. God damn, dude. That's <laughs> that's sizable. That's, <laughs> that's a... A sizable percentage of its uh, box office uh, oh, yeah. earnings. That's a <laughs> that could be a decent percentage point <laughs> towards it. I mean, I should get. I think Nicholas Winding Refn uh, should you know should give you a shout out for this for sure. At least that's uh... <laughs> like give us two movie tickets for like the next movie or something. You know, like something. Right, right. Yeah, that would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. I... I love this movie. Let, let me let me tell you guys about yeah, what's it. it. What's it about? Yeah. What's it about? So it's a story of a lonely young girl who's moved to LA to pursue a career in modeling. Okay. Classic LA modeling story. Um, but not told quite normally. Uh, the movie is basically a dreamlike sequence of beautifully shots, very visual, like we said, neon colors, very slow panning camera, nice music, things like that. And it tells a tale about beauty and its power to corrupt. Obviously revolving around the young, you know, uh, character and her rise to stardom in the LA modeling scene. 
So, um, she- yeah, absolutely. Um, very young, actually, um, which is you know quite the the point of contention throughout the film. Uh, you know, Jesse is, as it turns out, sixteen, and is yeah. she even that old? Uh, we don't know. Yeah, but that's right. And um, several very problematic interactions with uh, various people on the scene, and it's yeah, a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, but uh, I guess part of the story. And um, <clears throat> this is a fun one. Well, Jesus Christ, I shouldn't say fun fact, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my words my words move too quickly from my mouth. <laughs> Uh, this is a fact about the movie, um, and it's quite a concerning fact when you think about it in the story of the film as well, as you said, with the main character Jessie being 16 years old and having to lie about her age in order to do modeling and to get more jobs and say that she's 19, um, you know, at the request of uh, her agency or something like that. Her agent. Yeah. Yes, because 18 is, is too on the nose. Too obvious. Apparently. Yeah. Too obvious. Yeah. Too obvious that you're lying. No one's 18. <laughs> yeah. No one's 18. They go from 17 to 19. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. 18 is just a <laughs> mythical thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> but um, so the fact, which is not so fun, is that Elle Fanning... Uh, was 18 upon release of this film and was probably oh. probably 17 during the filming, uh, according to my research. So oh, only, only a year older than the Jesse character, just for, just, for your, just for you to have in your mind, I guess. Yeah, damn. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, I'll let you uh, ponder <laughs> on that while I, while I talk some more about the movie. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was sort of derailed. I'll let, I'll the, let that uh, I'll let that soak in because I, I also didn't realize that until I was researching for this episode. To be honest, oh goodness! And it made me second guess uh, if this is my favorite movie or not. Um, mm-hmm. so Jesse, she's befriended by several women, uh, two of whom they're established models within the LA scene, and the third, uh, she's a makeup artist within the industry as well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these three characters, they kind of obsess over Jesse and her rise to stardom. They become jealous of her and envious, you know, at her ability to rise so quickly. And um, yeah, and it presents in different ways for all of them, I feel. Like the makeup artist, uh, uh, who I've forgotten the name of. Uh, I just watched this the oh, other night. I'm, Where is I'm terrible name? at uh, names, so I actually don't know her name either. <laughs> The makeup artist, uh, she, like her fascination and obsession is, um, you know, begins very much as like, oh, I want to be your friend, uh, come hang out with, with my friends. And the other two are very much, uh, I see you as competition, um, or, you know, I, uh, or your natural beauty is is threatening to me um, because I I get a lot of work done. Um, you know I I'm working on on becoming iteratively more beautiful. Um, so it's kind of this interesting uh, sort of triangle around her, 
um, where all sort of, uh, you know, sides of her psyche are sort of getting uh, pulled at in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's That seems to be a theme throughout the uh, movie is the triangle imagery. Mm. There's a lot of artwork in the different modeling shoots where there'll be triangles featured. And also um, uh, there's the three women, which you could say is like the three points of the triangle. And they're very mm-hmm. cult-like in their obsession with beauty and their obsession with Jesse, who has beauty, I guess. And uh, Right. There's even a scene where Jesse just stares at a couple of triangles. Yep. Like for the whole scene. <laughs> yeah. And you could say that's one of the most pivotal scenes in the, in the movie. That's a, a real turning point for the character. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking at triangles can, you know completely change your your character direction yeah it's it's the illuminati it's the bermuda triangle it's just it's just the pyramids it's like powerful imagery man <laughs> triangles are the strongest shape oh yeah it's crazy in engineering exactly we need to make more things out of triangles okay guys doritos um all the good stuff is triangles like give give way signs give way signs exactly in australia in particular <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what they look like elsewhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> gonna, perhaps very niche humor. I'm going to hitch my bets there, but we have the strongest giveaway signs in Australia, so we're known for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't care too much for giveaway signs enough to look them up in different countries. Uh, that's yeah. not who I am. That's not so who we are. We'll leave that there. We talk about horror movies here. And, um, right. <laughs> yeah, The Neon Demon, as we have already said, it was a box office flop. And it got a lot of mixed reviews. I looked up some of the scores on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It got a 59%. I think that was the critic uh, Uh review. And um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. And um, 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So you're sort of seeing a trend there. It's pretty similar across all those three platforms. Yeah, Letterboxd is out of 5, yes? Yeah. Not 10? Yeah, it's out of 5. Okay. <laughs> that would be pretty bad. <laughs> that would be very, very bad. <laughs> oh yeah, so pretty similar, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at um, I'm looking at Letterbox because usually they do like for the ratings. You can sort of see how skewed the the ratings are. Like if they sit more strongly towards oh, five yeah. or or more strongly towards one. And it's pretty normally distributed uh, for all the stats nerds out there. It sits pretty much around 2.5, but it's 3.2 is, is the, is the writing. So, you know, pretty straight down the center. It seems. Thanks for that juicy data from the data expert. himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, I forget which film festival it aired at, you know, one of those Cannes or Toronto or one of those. Um, Mm -hmm. But I read that it was met with booze and a standing ovation. So once again, very divided, uh, as with these reviews. Well, Letterboxd straight down the middle. But um, there seems to be some people loving it, some people hating it, some people straight down the middle. It's, It's divisive in all ways. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> well, again with the triangles, there's like three camps. Yeah. Right? 
people that love it people that hate it people that don't understand why people love it or hate it <laughs> you know they just sort of neutral it yeah maybe again the triangle the triangle returns yeah maybe it was all a master plan of nicholas the whole time <laughs> who knows <laughs> we- to shoot himself in his directorial foot yeah <laughs> perhaps the last movie he will ever make as we've uh, realized upon uh, prior to filming this <laughs> ah yes uh he He's done some TV shows uh, since the Neon Demon, but not really any sort of uh, yeah. any sort of film. And um, which is a shame because he is, uh, I would say, he is a like a, a really good director. Um, uh, I think I'd realized I I wasn't sure if I'd seen any of his films, but I have seen Bronson, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought that was a really good movie. Yeah, Brunson's um, a really fun, wholesome movie um, about, uh, I think it was the world's most violent uh, prisoner. <laughs> right. Yeah, or the UK's, oh, the most, UK's violent most violent prisoner. Oh, the UK's most violent prisoner, that's right. Yeah. Um, starring. I'm not sure about the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, starring Tom Hardy in that role. So, you know, quite, quite a fitting role for a man of his talents, you know, the same man who acted as right. Bane in the Dark Knight trilogy. And, uh, right, and I think it must have been around the s- a similar time. Yes, yeah, just is, before it, I think. He's still built like Bane. Yeah. Um, it's a great movie. He is very uh, transformative in the role. Um, and, you know, Charlie Bronson is such a big character in real life that it's it's wild that someone was able to take that to the screen. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, without knowing, I was a, a Nicholas Winding Raffin fan. Yeah. Um, and um, totally wild. On the note of his uh, previous movies as well, um, he's had another triangular moment, another trilogy in a sense, with um, three of his recent movies. Before there's obviously Neon Demon, the final of the three and I'm just making this up this is sort of like my Cornetto trilogy in my brain that I'm coming up with on the spot here because he had Neon Demon prior to that Only God Forgives prior to that Drive which are all very neon based films in a similar sort of vein from what I understand I haven't seen Only God Forgives but I have seen Drive and it has a lot of similarities to Neon Demon Mm -hmm. Oh, so he's playing with this color palette yeah pretty consistently now yeah i think i looked at some stills for too old to die young which is a tv show that he did in 2019 um and the color palette again is like very similar yeah uh you know lots of lots of blues and uh and magentas like pinks um yeah yeah which is kind of interesting because you were saying uh, you were saying before we started filming today that he's colorblind. Yeah. So I actually read something a while back because I was kind of like the characters, you know, the friends of Jesse in the Neon Demon movie. I was kind of obsessed over the Neon Demon movie around 2016, 2017 when it came out. And so I was looking up stuff about uh, Nicholas Winding Refn 
And uh, it said in an interview that he is colorblind and that the reason why he makes a lot of his movies so contrasting in their colors is for himself because he likes to, it's easier for him to then distinguish the differences um, in obviously the shades that he sees. So that's so wild. Do you know if he's red, blue colorblind or is he some other variety of, of colorblind? I'm not sure exactly the level of colorblindness. Because if it's red, blue... That would make sense. His color choices are crazy. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> he's choosing those colors. <laughs> yeah. I want to work with colors I can't see. It's, <laughs> it's such a, a crazy idea. Um, so maybe that's not the case. But kind of kind of bold if if that is the case, Yeah, I think. So it's an interesting point about him as a director and it kind of sets him apart in that way. And um, I don't want to claim any stolen valor here, but I found out a few years ago that I have the most common kind of colorblindness, which <laughs> which is I, I just find it hard to distinguish certain shades of green. <laughs> Oh, but I can see everything <laughs> else. <laughs> aye, aye. Uh, I'm not saying... I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh because, yeah, it, you know, not... uh, it, 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 is a, it is a disability. I, I didn't um, even realize until I took an, uh, an eye test and a, well, and a color blindness test. So I didn't even know. And um, yeah, then uh, they, yeah, I was told... Blissfully that, unaware that yeah. there's... So many greens, so many shades of green. It's quite a common one. It's like, I think it was some, this is years ago, but I think it was something like 10% of white males have this or something like that. It was some crazy statistic. I may be remembering, I I may be remembering the data incorrectly, but (laughs) it's the most common kind of colorblindness where, yeah, I can see greens, but it's just like, uh, if I look at like leaves of trees or something like that, it's they kind of look fairly similar to me. It's um, you know the shades take a bit of yeah. It's not as obvious that they're different shades to me. That's all. Damn. So not not terribly you know life limiting. Nah, I mean, um, hey, I was stealing a bit of Ella in saying that I could relate to. It's not like <laughs> you're running red lights. Or oh yeah. Like okay. <laughs> yeah. As long as there's not. <laughs> A bright green light and a dark green light, then I'm fine. <laughs> There's just green lights right. and red lights. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, uh, I just wanted to interject that into there. But um, back to the Neon Demon. That's a nice detail to know about you, I think. Oh, yeah, you're uh, welcome. I feel like I know you better for you sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. I feel very uh, accepted for, you know, who I am right now (laughs) and sharing this with everyone online. You know, I know this is tricky for everyone to get past the fact that I might find it difficult to see certain shades of green, but, you know, something I'm working on each day. (laughs) Is it something you can work on? I don't think think there's anything I can do with (laughs) it. I don't think there's anything you can do. Yeah, that's... Maybe I could get some. Sorry, I don't. <laughs> get some Logan Paul color blind glasses or something. All right. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do remember YouTube that. history That's, lesson. There we go. Such a blight on YouTube history. 
Oh, gosh. But okay, uh, should we... What a numpty. Should we try out one of our segments? Potty and the Plot? Yes. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's uh, fire it. Fire it off. Potty in the fire Plot, where we put ourselves in the plot of a film and ask, what would myself and Tanner do? If we were in this movie. So what I'm asking you today, Tanner, what Mm. would you do if you were perceived similarly to the character Jesse? You were unimaginably beautiful and obsessed over by everyone that you come across in your life, in your industry, work and friends. Well, you know, I'm fortunate in that I don't have to imagine what this is like. Because it is my reality. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, look, it would be horrible. Like in the sense that, uh, you know, how everyone is treating Jesse. Um, and I don't think that's too far off what, you know, the, the way that she was treated, I don't think is like... Uh, you know, because of a supernatural sort of sense of beauty or, or anything like that, or a hyper exaggerated sort of experience. Um, yeah, I think it must be horrible. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, Jesse says it at points in the film, like, uh, I forget what she wanted, what she wanted to be. I think maybe just an, an artist or, or a drawer or um or a, a writer a drawer isn't a that's not the word for that an illustrator um, <laughs> no she wanted to be like an illustrator or, or an artist or, or a writer or, or something but didn't feel like she had the the talent and then realized that her talent was was looking beautiful yeah um, that's right and so I think she says, you know, I can make money off of being beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so that's what she set out to do, you know, moving to L.A. Um, we're not really sure what happened to her family, although I think we'll talk about that mm. later, what our theories are. Um, but, you know, and... And also Dean, I think, is the, the character's name, the photographer that, that brings her out to L.A. in the first place and gives her her first, you know, photo shoot, hangs out with her. Um, he's uh, kind of grossly somewhat of a, of a, well, he wants to be a love interest despite knowing how young she is. Yeah. Um, so a bit of a blight on his character there. But... Um, you know, he's, you know, in other ways, like the only friend that she has in, in LA and at various points in the film, he is saying to people, no, she's not just really beautiful. Like there's more to her than that. Um, and I think, right. That kind of says it all. Like, she's unfairly i think perceived as just this two-dimensional character to all these people um and yeah it's kind of unfortunate that she's also a kind of two-dimensional character you know in the movie as well in in how that she in how she's written but um but yeah i i what would i do to come back to your question (laughs) 
probably not an awful lot <laughs> i would want to avoid people like uh i I'd, i would uh, i would want to avoid the industry um uh or avoid people you know maybe go and live out remotely uh you know like the guy at the end of uh of brave new world by Aldous huxley you know he's out living in uh he's out living in the lighthouse um and he's getting hunted down by helicopters with cameras on them you oh, know he's God, in yeah. like a, a reality television show at that point um so maybe living remotely isn't even the answer like yeah it what do you do live underground yeah you, <laughs> you have paparazzi after you right it'd be hard I, what, what what would you do yeah i feel like i'd um because i have a decent amount of anxiety in my life social anxiety probably general anxiety i would struggle with it if i had this you know curse of unimaginable beauty from a young age um but as I've grown grown older, I've grown more confident and more manageable with my anxiety. So I would then probably get into a phase where I take advantage of it and I'd become like a model or an actor or something. I would reap the benefits mm-hmm. of that lifestyle. I'd be sucked into it. I'd probably become quite vain and a bad person to be mm-hmm. honest if i'm if i'm really thinking about it critically i'd probably become like that damn you're really uh <laughs> yeah it's so hard for me to not imagine myself as myself yep. uh in this hypothetical situation but you're really abandoning <laughs> uh <laughs> morals that you hold near uh, and dear i uh, i think yeah if people just obsessed over me just for the way i looked then i'd just i'd feel all powerful i would probably say horrible things i'd probably be vile and like arrogant and stuff like that and um and then it would destroy my brain that that's like my value like you said that that's all you're perceived as is you know this unobtainable beauty and then i'd probably you know jump off the wagon and go out and try to live in the wild away from everyone in a cabin somewhere so we'd end up at the same place you and i but we'd get there by different means (laughs) (laughs) neighbors yeah (laughs) yeah standing over the white picket fence from each other in our remote log cabins and watering our garden oh hey neighbor we could do we could do a podcast with no video (laughs) 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 it all works out yes yeah okay so we'd both have similar paths um uh or at least we end up maybe the journey would be different but we'd end up in the same place yeah i think that's what it would come down to in the end we'd end up in the same place i think if i'm being fair i think i probably would be a horrible person as well it'd be hard to say that it Um, wouldn't right yeah uh especially you know if if people are like wanting to do stuff for you it would probably be quite difficult to to not just go along with that um you know or if you know people are offering you gifts like people have a hard time with this anyway with like not accepting gifts when they shouldn't you know people in positions of power um you know not accepting 
like gifts or, or bribes um oh yeah definitely so yeah i think if that's your life you'd probably do it yeah at least for a time and especially for you know beautiful women and even just women in general it's been a plight for you know since modern history or maybe all of history Mm -hmm. the men just valuing Mm -hmm. beauty over all else it's very dehumanizing for an individual right absolutely and that's you know it goes without saying but that's a major theme throughout the uh throughout the film uh all the women uh in this movie uh uh you know uh appearing is nothing more than just a beautiful blank slate for you know all of these male artists photographers uh, uh fashion designers to you know hang their clothing off or uh you know uh, stick their their you stake their claim yeah uh, to fame um, yeah they're really like you said they're just like hangers for the men or like props for them to right. take beautiful photos right. of and everything yeah right that's that's it like yeah yeah <laughs> it's 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 really quite telling i think of i think it's a good this film is a good sort of picture of what the fashion industry uh, and what Hollywood is and like what the problems with it, with it are. Um, and, and I think for that reason, it's a, it's, it's a good movie, right? Like it that. is, it is saying something. Yeah. Um, I like that. And I don't, I don't know if there's enough movies that are saying things. I like that. Yeah, we we'll take it. We'll take it. I think those we'll we'll get to the hiccups in in the way that it brings up those things. But I right. that's how I like to think of the movie that it like brings up some of these issues that are all too prevalent in society. Um on that note, you just watched this movie for the first time the other day. Right. What is yeah. what are some of your initial reactions any thoughts at the top of your mind we've already discussed a fair bit so there might not be much more you want to say but particular likes or dislikes that you have or anything like that that jumps out yeah so yeah i have probably said a great deal of uh what i like and dislike about this movie already but to sort of summarize it or to to talk around a summary um yeah i think overall overall i like this movie um you know aesthetically it is very pleasing i can definitely see why you really enjoy it because uh every frame is like really well thought out um there's a great deal of just like really well put together shots um and also the sound design i know we talked about it before um it's terrific like it it all almost feels like a like a music video and it doesn't feel like it's going on for too long um you know which which would be a problem because dialogue wise and story wise there's a lot of sort of sparseness in this movie where it feels like 
it feels like the script was really short um, yeah. and the film is quite a bit longer um, <laughs> but the music sort of carries you through it um, and yeah which fantastic and there's some like really weird bits um, like where the music goes like really odd mm. um, and you know it sort of makes your ears prick up a bit and you lean in um, and then that's paired really well with with like the visuals a um, lot of very striking visu- visuals what I didn't like about the yes, movie let's get into that is yeah so there's a lot of these story threads that don't really go anywhere and they don't really like mean anything for the story other than uh they're just painting a bleak picture of what the industry or what how horrible la is just in general um so or maybe maybe it's less about the industry and less about the location and more about just sort of showing like the predatory nature of, of men, um, you know, which is, which is absolutely a, a, a fine reason for these parts of the, the film to exist. If the film was using that to then tell more of a, tell more of its story, um, and I don't want to get it too far into things that will sort of fire off the spoiler alarms um, and <laughs> and give away the end of the movie because uh, it does sort of catch you off guard if, you, if you're watching it for the first time. Mm. Um, but there's these weird sort of weird moments like... Um, oh, can I talk about this? How how much of a spoiler-free review? Oh yeah, we are we doing here. We can we can just give a little like, hey guys, we're about to spoil a little bit here. If you don't mind, keep listening. <laughs> if you do mind, maybe skip. Right. Okay. Cool. I'll I'll talk at at length. Um, so, uh, basically, Jesse's staying in this in this motel room. Um, yeah. And it's in like a sort of seedy part of LA, I, I think. I'm not a uh, an LA uh, geology expert, <laughs> yeah. but um, uh, or geography. Not <laughs> oh yeah, geology. That's the rocks one. <laughs> hey, a lot of a lot of rocks uh, in LA too. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I guess. Yeah, um, and I don't know anything about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> But she's she's staying in this motel room, and every time she goes back to her motel room, there's some other problem going on. So she goes back one night, and she's opening up her room, and she sees this dark figure sort of hiding behind her bed. And so she closes the door, and then, uh, you know, whoever is on the other side starts shaking the door, trying to get out. Um, and she runs off to to go and ask the the guy who runs this motel, um, you know, to go and attack or deal with this intruder for her. Um, and then it turns out it's 
this mountain lion. Yeah, it's like um, a mountain lion cougar type thing. Right, this big cat, um, and it's it's like chilling in the room, um, <laughs> which is terrifying, um, and it, you know is is largely symbolic. Uh, I think there's there's another couple of um, I think there's two more uh, cats or, or wolves or you know these predatory animals that that appear later on again with the it comes in threes theme. Um, but so that, and I get that it's metaphorical, but I wish that the film sort of paid closer attention to scenes like that, um, so that I didn't have to, uh, you know, I was watching very closely and a lot of that sort of flew over my head. Yeah, um, it did to me as well. So, yeah. Um, I feel like the film didn't really do itself as, like, uh, you know, give itself a hand um, Yeah, in, in that sense. Um, it seems like it was thrown in as an afterthought. The, uh, yeah, the three predatory animals maybe linking to, like, the three, you know, women who are supposed to be Jesse's friends. Three women. Yeah, acting as a bit of a trio and the triangular. I mean, the triangles was uh, easy to get, but yeah, the other parts of it seemed just thrown in. Right. And Jesse's ultimate demise, which I think is like the true spoiler here, um, if, I, if I can speak to it. Uh, so if you don't want to hear this, uh, before watching the movie then go right ahead and skip like the next 30 seconds to a minute because here it comes yep. uh you know she ultimately gets attacked and killed uh by these three women that she's supposed to be friends with um and it kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere and is a really just a really tragically short way to end her story mm. um like there's no her overcoming um you know any of the uh oppression that's that's put on her there's no her like emerging from this shell of beauty uh that she appears as throughout the movie um you know we see her being like very innocent and like deer in the head in the headlights uh she's she's talked about at the at the start of the film so she's more like prey um and then in the middle of the film she sort of sees her strength and seizes it and becomes like almost very cold because of it and pushes away her softer side um we see that transformation in the character but then there's no sort of emergence into this third state which would be sort of the balance of the two um she just gets killed and eaten um and and like the only sort of comeuppance that she gets against uh against her attackers um is that the the sort of guilt of killing her or the not being able to stomach 
having eaten her, one of the women uh, ki kill, kills themselves uh, very violently, um, you know, which you could sort of interpret as her sort of beyond the grave, um, you know, ascending beyond, uh, beyond this woman who, who attacked her. But I think that's quite a generous reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that was good. I um, This is why I like talking to you about movies because so much of this stuff, I'm like so just caught up in the visuals and like not paying enough attention to, I don't know, the intricacies of uh, a movie plot line and stuff like that. But a lot of what you said, you hit it right on the head with like uh, her coming to a quick demise, it like leaving loose ends, yeah, it being untimely. Like, yeah, you're exactly right. I was just like, oh, this is all aesthetic. It's all good. But if it did those things better, it would have been such a better movie <laughs> now that you say it. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I just really feel like, like even if she didn't die in, the, um, in, in that scene towards the end, um, you know, and she managed to, to kill the three of them. Um, yeah, that would for me have been a better ending. Oh, I like that. Um, I like that. Right. It's yeah. It just feels like such a shame that her her development was just cut. You know, so so bluntly. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. She gets this tiny monologue uh, before it happens where she kind of explains that, oh, she's figured it out, you know, people want to be, pe people want to be her and they, they're always going to be striving to, to be like her, uh, how she is so effortlessly, um, which is, you know, again, quite a two-dimensional, uh, quite a two-dimensional view uh, for her character to have very figuratively and literally shallow um she says it over the deep end of the pool that mm. has been drained so that's uh <laughs> that's potentially a wink um, <laughs> uh but yeah just i think that would have been a better ending for her to for her to to kill her attackers no i like um, that a lot actually that would be a really cool way to rewrite the ending of the movie. Or she gets away. Yeah. And then they're freaking out because they're like, oh, shit. Like, we, in earnest, tried to kill mm. her. And, like, what's she going to do? Yeah. And then she becomes the predator and they're the oh, prey. Yeah. Nice. Where, where oh. were we in the writer's room with the... Uh, with for this. <laughs> well, more so you. I would have just been like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Aesthetically. Yeah. Oh. I could imagine this. Two the force. <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating her, okay, as death by that sense. <laughs> there is, I will say, I will say on this, there's a great line earlier in, in the film mm. um, when she first meets... Uh, this trio of, of women um, uh, and one of them asks her 
are you sex or are you food yep um and it's this this weird foreshadowing uh of what's going to happen um yeah that i didn't realize until i i read an article after the film and i distinctly remember that line but i didn't really think anything of it um and now knowing knowing what it was leading up to i'm like okay that that was a nice sort of tie-in but again like yeah. i wish i wish it had have ended different no a hundred percent so yeah i didn't get those things either and specifically that are you sex or are you food quote which i think was in reference to uh, the makeup artist talking about uh lip like uh, what's it called lip gloss lipsticks, lipsticks. yeah and she's lipstick, like lipstick uh lipstick names yeah they always name lipstick after food or sex uh, to appeal to women or something she said and um yeah. Yeah. yeah it only it only occurred to me as well after reading a few articles and blog posts and it's like okay this this movie is like a beautiful visual you could see it as like a photograph says a thousand words but you really need some accompanied reading <laughs> to get what the words are that it's supposed to be right. saying <laughs> right and some words throughout would have yeah. been... <laughs> some words would have helped. <laughs> Wouldn't have gone astray. It is a movie after all. <laughs> right. Not a silent it, film. It's got people. People People speak. Yeah. Uh, let them speak. But on that note, I think it's time I come out with my... Horror, horror hot, hot take. take. Yeah, sure. Oh, gosh. I'm opening the skeleton box for all those who can't see. And what have we got in here? I should lay in a, uh, a sound effect. Maybe I've done it. <laughs> a, a spooky little... <laughs> dum, 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 dum. <laughs> Skeleton sound. <laughs> so I've got a piece of paper here. I know what's on here because I already wrote it earlier. I do not... I don't... Can you see that? Oh, sorry, you say it. <laughs> I don't care for complex characters or dialogue. Horror hot take by Torkel. Just so it's not a goddamn. Just dude. so it's not attributed to you by accident. <laughs> I don't want you cause you know catching any unnecessary heat for that one. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Yeah, because I wholeheartedly disagree with that. <laughs> I, uh, I I'll let you speak, sir. Uh, but let me just say straight out the gate. That is a hot take that I do not agree with. <laughs> Complex characters <laughs> and dialogue are arguably two of the like two of the most important things in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, in good film. Mm-hmm. So uh, they say. And is it just in film that you don't like those things? Because you know you 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 are a writer. Yeah, like, I don't know <laughs> if you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, in that sense, I've got a weird thing when it comes to films, right? Because, yeah, I am a writer. and um, But I will say this, in the horror novel that I'm writing, if that were made into a movie, there would be barely any words spoken in it, even though it's going to be a long mm-hmm. book, you know what I mean? It's all just descriptive mm-hmm. language for the scenes. And... Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I say this horror hot take more bluntly than I actually mean it. 
I don't care about um, complex characters or dialogue uh, if that's not the focus of the movie. If you're trying to make a visual movie like, you know, an MCU, you know, masterpiece visual effects and everything like that, a Star Wars big space battle, all those types of movies, I really don't care that much about the plot. I just want it to get to beautiful scene to beautiful scene and it tie up and that's all. But if the movie means to like tell an important message and it means to show the development of this character that changes throughout it, then I do want it to be very well written because I, mm-hmm. I think I'm very black and white in that sense. I obsess over things a lot. I get really stuck into projects and writing and things like that. And I think I'm the same with the media that I consume. I obsess over something. So if I'm watching something, I either want it to have no dialogue, no complex characters, or I want it to have very good dialogue and very complex characters. I don't want an in-between. Right. I think we uh, we talked uh, last time about, you know, horror lives in the in-between. Now, that was about... <laughs> Uh, that was about, you know, fight or flight, you know, why do these people sort of gingerly walk up to the closet and open it slowly only to get, you know, launched on by, by, you know, some monster or whatever. Um, but look, I don't think it's a one or the other type thing. I think, um, I think really good dialogue and, and deep, uh, deep characters i think and i don't think this is what you i don't i don't think this is uh sort of going against what you're saying at all i don't think you're saying the opposite of this but um you know films like that can be accompanied with with beautiful beautiful visuals yeah um but if a film is doing beautiful visuals all the time and that's the focus of the film then yeah likely they're not going to have uh exceptionally good dialogue or deep characters because you just can't dedicate screen time to that if you're always in pursuit of that beautiful moment Um, yeah that's exactly right that's which you've said it a lot better than kind of loses me i i kind of get lost in films that are just like beautiful um like every frame is just beautiful or you know it's just you know we went to this location because god it looks great yeah. uh, it's like i need i need deeper meaning there and i don't i don't really care if uh if a film you know start to finish happens in the same location or the same couple of locations because there's like interesting things that can happen there where uh you know maybe the way that the characters are moving through a scene that you've seen them in you know a couple of scenes ago maybe it's different this time and that that shows a different perspective and breathes new life into the setting um you know i think of a film i hold very near and dear to my heart uh, hereditary uh, that we went and saw at the cinema the other yeah. week uh, at a lucky re-showing. Um, and, you know, that film, a great deal of it occurs in that house. Um, and 
it you know there's a lot of like visually beautiful um scenes in it you know scenes that are are shot exceptionally well there's this great sort of interplay between the house and what's happening in it and the miniature houses and miniature scenes that tony collette's character is is building and there's often like these beautiful transitions between the two where you're like is this a miniature that i'm looking at oh no it's got people moving in it that's that's wild um but it also has like quite a strong story and quite strong dialogue and uh, multi-dimensional characters, uh, sort of carrying carrying the film through those visuals. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, I I get you. I get you completely. I disagree. <laughs> oh no, I think I think I I agree with everything you said. I um, yeah you've said it in a lot less inflammatory way than I did. Like, um, <laughs> cause hereditary is the perfect example. They've got amazing imagery, amazingly shot scenes and the miniatures and everything. And also it's perfectly written. And, um, I think mm-hmm. that's the thing with me is it's, um, a matter of, unless they're going to do both things, right. It's sort of, it's a matter of like, what's, the purpose of the film what's the direction what's the image that they have in their heads going into the process of making the film uh that's i think what i'm getting at and if they're going into it and they're wanting to master all those things then they better master them because um if one of them falls short i'm really going to notice it i think um but if they go into something and they just want to hit at one of those things then i'm perfectly okay with that um Right. But obviously, don't like, yeah, don't half-ass both of them. You know what I mean? It's either go into the yeah. extreme of either direction or hit them both for me. Yeah, I think, yeah, that hits the nail right on the head. You can tell when a film is sort of stretching itself too thin yeah. across all those bases. Um, but, you know, to bring it back to the Neon Demon, I kind of feel like it stretches itself a bit thin, you know, on the plot and dialogue yeah. uh, side of things. Um, you know, which is a shame because visually it is very pleasing and it ex- excels in that sense. And sound design, it excels in that sense as well. But then there's just... I, I Like, I wish it had a bit more substance behind it. I wish it had you know more multi-dimensional characters um throughout especially jesse um and i think there's this really interesting idea of you know show but don't tell um uh which you were you were like hitting uh really well you know talking about um you know like the descriptive language in your in your horror novel um but sometimes sometimes you do have to tell a little bit uh to show you have to be better (laughs) yeah neon demon they're they're showing something but it's not the story you know what i mean oh it's not the full picture of the story so yeah they either got to tell it or they got to show more Right, there's so many shots of Jessie where she just she doesn't 
say anything or she doesn't react yeah. to what's happening um and it just it makes you feel like oh you know she is nothing but a doll in this in this scene essentially um whereas if she you know interacted with her environment more or you know talk to people about how she feels or what she's doing um you know we would have gotten more of a sense of who she is um but yeah yeah no i I completely agree but on that note i've got something to contradict to that (laughs) just to (laughs) just to spice this up even more so I've uh, I've written down some of my thoughts about the movie, and we've hit them. Obviously, I really love the visuals, the cinematography. It's what I'm all about. The eerie, simple electronic music throughout it. Mwah. Cliff Martinez, mm. I've become a fan of his. Um, and as you were talking about Jesse being emotionless and a bit doll-like, the characters being pretty monotonal and uh, feeling emotionless for the most part of the movie and not expression at all. That's something that I'm really fascinated by in a lot of movies. And I'm still trying to figure out why it is, but I really enjoy it. And I've written uh, stories, short stories in particular, uh, where the characters do similar Uh things. And Uh I think it's something to do with... uh, my experience of anxiety or something is i don't know something about it it's when i see that on screen it feels like something that i've done or experienced in the past it's like i'm not reacting the way i should be to something and i know sort of a bit dissociated yeah and uh or it's like a muffled personality type type deal yeah and it had the good part about it with the neon demon is it added to that dreamlike effect that the movie has. But like you said, mm-hmm. the bad part about it is that ain't no story getting told. <laughs> <laughs> Why, there hasn't been a story in these parts for 50 years. <laughs> well, I say, I say now, they ain't, uh, I ain't never seen no story around here. So. <laughs> we just don't do stories in these parts. Uh, Out in California... <laughs> We don't tell no story about beauty like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was... Ah, damn. There was something I was thinking about when you were just talking. Um, Ah, and it's going to bother me. Um, Uh, Sorry, rude of me to to take the talking back. About the story. Uh, Maybe I can bring up the memory for you again. Right, yeah, I was talking about the... uh, like non-expressions not being emotional yeah oh yes so it reminds me actually of this meme that was going around uh, a little while ago now when um when ai video or ai images were were getting really big um and it's the what's that fashion house oh Um, is it the quite problematic is the gucci one or there's no, no there's one. they've got they've got an Italian yeah, name. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm forgetting it. The the memes are all like Harry Potter yeah. as this or um yeah, like Oh, what is whatever, it? Like Game of Thrones as this. 
and it's just expressionless really beautiful <laughs> like traditionally good looking uh people just sort of staring off into the void um yeah i know exactly what you mean in a lot of ways what this movie feels like balenciaga balenciaga that's like, what it is balenciaga I that's quickly right googled it. like a lot of the characters thank you thank you so <laughs> much uh, a lot of the characters through this movie even with how they deliver their lines like that's the vibe that's they're just sort of blank slate kind of almost doll like oh uh like and you know their words might how they're delivering them might have like a little bit more expression but how they look is very and i don't know if that was a deliberate move yeah um it's it's so peculiar that it seems like it must be but it it's a strange move to decide right. to do <laughs> to say the least <laughs> yeah but if it's part of sort of showing you know how shallow or how two-dimensional people in that industry are then ah oh, amazing yeah. um and you know surely surely that's part of it um but mm, i really needed more okay. i really needed more yeah fair enough fair enough i the funny thing is i I know these things about the movie to some degree, you know, they kind of like I've repressed them because I, I love the movie, but then you saying them, I'm like feeling my defenses, you know, the backfire effect kind of prick up, Oh, I'm sorry. but I'm like, <laughs> I'm I, but I know these things about the movie. You know what I mean? I, I agree, but yeah. I'm like, I love this yeah. movie. This movie is perfect. I think it's possible to hold two minds exactly. about things. Yeah, I know it's I know it's uh, flawed, but also it's so satisfying to me right. in a weird way. And I think all art, in a way, is flawed, and it's not going to hit every note, and it's not going to be for everyone. Um, you know, but that doesn't detract from from its value or its its place in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think it's okay to you know to like something and know all all its flaws um, yeah and i, w- I will yeah, say i think that that makes perfect sense upon watching it again recently i think it was maybe my third or fourth watching viewing of it and i hadn't seen it for a few years mm-hmm. now um i did watch it and i showed it to my partner emma for the first time and i was like i talked it up so much and then I finished it. We finished it, and I was like, it "Wasn't as good as I remember." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I oh, know it was better when I was oh, when no. I was younger. It was better." <laughs> oh, so I don't gosh. know. Maybe I've seen better movies now or something. But it always hold a, a nice place in my heart, you know. Yeah yeah and you know you know we have to talk about it but there are like a lot of problematic parts of this movie it does deal with a lot of uh you know very distressing uh themes and and trauma uh i think you know for anyone watching it it's important to know that uh there's a great deal of sexual assault that occurs you know uh both on camera and off camera um yeah yeah it can be difficult difficult watching for those reasons yeah 
um, and particularly and some of it feels like it's not sort of in service of the story of the film yeah. uh, and you know it's quite hard to do anything in service of the story of the film when uh, the plot is is a little bit weakened but um, yeah yeah important to I was going to say even those there's obviously several parts where there's harassment assault and even in the parts where there isn't it feels like it might happen which is quite uncomfortable right i will say as well so there's just this right horrible sense of something happening and um and yeah go ahead you know we're not we're not women so uh you know hardly hardly for us to to talk about the experiences of women but uh you know that's the film i think sort of walks that line as well like uh sort of showing a a i don't quite know the words words to say this but it's uncomfortable it's like very uncomfortable to watch Mm. um at at points uh, you know, and I think that's an intentional in a sense, but yeah, like, like we're saying, I, I think it is important to know going in. Um, yeah. And, yeah. um, another piece of trivia about this movie, I read that, uh, also it shows in, I think maybe in the credits or maybe in the intro, uh, the movie was mm-hmm. dedicated to Nicholas, uh, Winding Refn's wife and Mm-hmm. He said, oh, I forget now, but he said something about how he wanted to shoot another film in Denmark, um, but that he wanted to, I, no, wait, let me start again. He wanted to go to LA or something like that, uh, and his wife didn't want to come with him. Ah, oh, I forget now, I'm butchering it. But anyway, he decided to basically shoot this movie in LA to like do work in LA and to be able to bring his wife with him. Mm-hmm. And um, he um, acknowledges and dedicates the movie to his wife, who he says uh, has experienced beauty uh, growing up unlike him, which is just a strange piece of trivia that maybe he's trying to tell you know another person's story other than his own. And I don't know, she's not attributed as one of the writers or anything like that as well uh-huh and um yeah that's an interesting layer uh to the story of the film i think yeah um and um on that yeah. note we can get into some of the problematic things and the reasons why the movie probably didn't succeed that we've touched on but let's get mm-hmm. into the the facts of it <laughs> Um, so Nicholas Winding Refn, he's already known for bad dialogue in a lot of his movies. Uh, in particular, I would say Drive, uh, where there's, you know, this a story is told, but it's been, you know, accused of being a bit misogynistic, playing into gender stereotypes and sort of like the protector-savior role, things like that. And... He's even admitted himself, the director, uh, in an interview that I read up on, that he might not know how to write women at all when it comes to writing. Yeah, I think it's a bit more of a 
a bit more than a mind. Yeah. I think maybe so. this movie proved it. <laughs> Just maybe. And um he recruited two women to help him write um the story and uh, the script. And I looked up both of their works and they're very accomplished. Polly Stenham and Mary Laws who've done TV mm-hmm. shows and uh, big theater productions and things like that, really well-versed mm-hmm. and successful, in especially writing women's stories. And mm-hmm. he recruited them for that reason, to help him out. But I'm just imagining the writer's room and just him getting his story that he wants out there and them just you know, not getting as much of a voice as the movie needed. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> it's it's hard to see it's hard to see their influence come through in, in the writing yeah. uh or the delivery of the writing as well. Um Yeah. Again, it's all very two dimensional characterizations of women. Um Yeah. yeah. I, I completely yeah I'm I'm at a loss for for how much they were actually involved. Yes, <laughs> when I found out that because I thought surely he just did this all alone, this was his own thing, but yeah, he specifically right. recruited. I think Polly in particular, one of them did like theater productions, and they were very like feminist uh, minded and progressive and things like that. And I was surprised mm-hmm. to hear that. Um, because yeah, seems like it's mainly a Nicholas, a Nicholas show in the end, but, um, yeah, should we, uh, talk about how we perhaps changed the movie? We already talked about, you had some thoughts on, uh, making the ending a bit better. Maybe we could, uh, maybe mm. we could rewrite the movie, writing it wrong, a segment where we make changes to the films to improve them. Yes, where we slap the pen out of, <laughs> yeah. of Mr. Raffin's hand oh, yeah. and we say, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Well, I think, you know, first of all, like easiest fix to make is uh, is to, you know, to put the pen, at least for, for more of the time in the writing room, uh, into into a woman's hand uh would probably get you uh better characterizations uh you know for for the uh uh for the characters um yeah but just speaking broadly about the plot you know i talked about my idea of um of jesse not dying uh I, again, sorry, <laughs> sorry if you skipped ahead to uh, <laughs> to avoid a spoiler, and then I've just dropped one on you accidentally. It's um, all right. Get over the spoilers, people. <laughs> it's an old movie. Watch it or don't. <laughs> or don't. Um, maybe this is just enough. listen to us. But um, if if she didn't die, and then it it then became this. Uh, you know this revenge film mm. um you know obviously you'd have to sort of bring that that scene forwards a bit 
which I think there's enough wiggle room in the uh, in the film oh, yeah. for that. You know, you could probably cut a little bit of dead Definitely. air. Um, there's quite a few. <laughs> you could cut like a minute off of many scenes, and it would add up. <laughs> right, and that would all add up to you know this good climactic. Yeah probably act three of five turning point and then she goes on this revenge arc where she sort of turns the industry on its head and maybe you know emerges beyond the the industry in some way um that would be a much more uh a much more interesting character arc i think for for jesse I like that a lot. Um, I um I hadn't considered something like that, but I can really imagine it as like a a triple A horror movie reworking of it and mm-hmm. a really successful one in that direction. Right. I think that would have tested better as well mm. in the like in the cinema. Because I think that might be I think the way that the film ends um and how long it takes to get there. You know, it feels like there's this big sort of build up to this sort of weird payoff um, that leaves you feeling a little bit, uh, uh, why? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's some of the reason why it was such a flop. Um, the disaster, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yes, the neon demon disaster, <laughs> as we've taken to, as critics have taken to call it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but no, I agree. I I keep wondering what it was like in that writing room because I think the right voices didn't get through when they needed to, and I don't know if he, the director had good intentions or not by bringing in um, these obviously a more diverse writing cast of women. Or if he maybe just did that because he'd been criticized of a bit of a misogynistic stories in the past, maybe to cover his bone bases, Mm. you know. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's I agree with you. That's definitely a good point to start with. But uh, on that note, as a a man, let me give my uh, perspective on how I'd change this. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to. <laughs> yes, you're much sought after for perspective. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I am uh, available for consulting on a movie script. Uh, you know, my Gmail address is somewhere, and um, I I'd want to see more horror in it because it was obviously, like we said, it was uncomfortable. But there wasn't really proper horror until those final scenes. I'd want to feel mm-hmm. like the more prey predator aspect of it maybe get to a bit of chasing each other down hunting each other down earlier on i don't know that's just more of a broad critique not enough horror the other one that i want to see i want to see a prequel about Uh. jesse and her parents where were her parents in this movie she left home at 16 i think even um the friend i think his name was sean he brings up or he asks about or Dean, 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 Dean right. I think yeah he uh, asks about her parents at one point and she implies that they're no longer in the picture or something so I would like to see a story about how maybe Jesse's parents maybe became obsessed with her because of her you know magical quite witching beauty and uh, they competed for her affections to the point of maybe they 
slaughtered each other and she left. I think that'd be an interesting prequel. Damn. That's rough. <laughs> That's so... <laughs> but yeah, I... I, um... So I kind of read our Google Doc a little bit before I watched the film. Um, you know, in that I just sort of glimpsed over it, uh, not wanting to find any spoilers. And reading reading your idea about uh, about her parents sort of made me think that there was more of a supernatural yeah. or more of an obvious supernatural sort of air to, to her beauty. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, she was like bewitching people. Um, uh, so I think that's a, a, a quite an interesting angle uh, to look at that, you know, her beauty is compelling people to, uh, to, to do these horrible things. Um, and I think there's actually quite a good sort of uh, quite... Uh, there's quite a good premise for that throughout the film you know in that all of these uh you know her agent um says oh you know most most girls that come through my office you know they're they're good you're great yeah. you're oh you're the one amazing keep yeah oh everyone yeah. else go Wait, home. how old are you 16 <laughs> nah tell everyone you're 19 now, like, yeah, it's so good kid you're gonna go far yeah, i'm gonna make you, <laughs> we'll superstar. Take you to new york <laughs> <laughs> um and and you know the the fashion designer as well you know stops scrolling through his phone which is you know oh, yeah. a terribly difficult thing to get someone to stop doing uh you know peering into the black mirror as it is as as it's as it's called uh yeah, thanks mate. <laughs> god damn you got me um you know the fact that his eyes are torn away from his phone and he's suddenly uh living in the moment sort of face twitching in in sort of bewilderment of her beauty i think plays into that sort of supernatural uh element to it um so yeah that would be interesting i i i think yeah i think i'd give that a watch there's something there um they could have played into that yeah i don't think the setting would maybe i don't know where she came from but i don't think the setting would sort of lend itself quite to you know the neon mm. uh you know the strong color palette that that we get from from la and you know the fashion industry and all that so it would visually be quite a different film that's true um but yeah it would be it would be interesting have you seen sorry taking us on a on a tangent here but have you seen x x and pearl i don't think i have but x i've heard of x movie so x is this fantastic movie that came out I want to say 2022, maybe late 2021. Yeah, Um, is this the one where it's like a group of young people and they go and camp at a, or they get like lost at a barn and they have to stay the night? 
uh, or like a farm kind property of. kind of so thing. So they, they go out to this farm. They've hired a. They've basically hired the the farmhouse and and the oh, barn. Yeah, that's yeah. They're filming. Um, yep. So they can shoot a, a, a point. Okay. Of yeah, I yeah. saw that recently. Actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a great movie. Uh, and they they made Pearl after that, which focuses on the the old lady who lives in the farmhouse. Oh, no way. Um, and it's a prequel uh, showing her as 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 a young woman living out on this farm and you know wanting to be a, a dancer and performer um, <clears throat> you know and her, her struggle to be seen in that space and to to escape her bleak rural reality um, yeah and yeah it's it's fantastic that they were able to do you know such a great uh, first film x and then you know explore this character a bit more with a with a prequel um i really yeah, like that perhaps yeah. this film could have that as well um i i agree um but man it would need <laughs> it would need so much writing treatment yeah. <laughs> and obviously it ain't gonna get no prequel or sequel with the success no. of the disaster <laughs> The dumpster fire that it caused. Unfortunately. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it will live in the in the obscure. Um, I don't think. I don't think any studio is wanting to revisit yeah. this. And uh, on a final note, as beloved as Keanu Reeves is in the, you know, mainstream media online world, film verse. Yeah, in the film verse is beloved by all online. Yes, he's this humble dude. He seems down to earth. He gives back money to the visual effects artists of The Matrix and everything. They casted him as a horrible manager of the motel, sex offending pedophile. So, probably not a wise move. He played it well. He did play it well. It was believable. It was creepy and scary. Uh, It was very uncomfortable. And, yeah. Oh, he was probably the most difficult part of the film to watch. Yeah. Um, so don't watch if so, you don't want to have Keanu Reeves <laughs> ruined for you, if you're a big fan. Yeah. I mean, you know, fantastic actor. Um, he, yeah, he he took that role really well, you know, played a villain for, for a part. But, yeah. <laughs> again like i really wish that there was more um more of a reason for his his character to be there um and you know more like i wish there had been some comeuppance for him because it just doesn't happen unfortunately mm. like it would have been nice if if jesse if jesse's character sort of played with both sides you know the the prey and predator side of things whereas she just remained as prey the the entire film um and yeah it would have been nice for her to have been allowed to step into that predator predator role you know especially maybe you know disposing of keanu reese's character yeah um 
would have been a very clear uh, character to, to dispose oh, yeah. of, I think. That would have been nice. <laughs> it's a long list of characters that deserve to get yeah. the flick in this film. We needed uh, some and, benevolent character. And he's at the top. Yeah, we needed someone yeah. to come in and to fix it all. But right. I think we've said pretty much all we can say. We've utterly devoured the neon demon disaster. How do you like that? I like... Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) But also spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. Well, uh... What Tonko just said is probably an even bigger spoiler (laughs) than me literally describing uh, scene for scene the end of the movie. (laughs) This has been the Neon Demon Dissection. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I am utterly full. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. That was amazing. I loved hearing your thoughts about the movie, Tanner. That was a really good chat about it. I hope everyone enjoyed it at home as well. Yes. Um, if you did, uh, you should consider listening again. And the way to do that is by subscribing. So... It's basically like we tell you that we've got a new episode uh, without having to, to bother you too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's So you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Maybe that's where you're watching right now. Uh, Spotify, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. Um, there's possibly some others. Yeah. You if know, anyone maybe this if anyone has any that they listen to for podcasts let us know because we'd be happy to figure out a way to accommodate um, but those will be the main platforms that right. we will go up on for the moment and um, they'll all be in the description of wherever you're watching this and also the ones that we already have up because we're banking a few episodes so you guys will have some content for when this all comes out but right now we've got an Instagram. It's Instagram.com slash it lives on tape. We can hear about us and uh, you know tune in for the episode as it comes out. And also we already have our YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at it lives on tape. So that's where you can find us. The at is very important. I've the heard. new YouTube feature. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is yeah, it? they. Oh. It's like a channel. All right, tags let's not or get something. too inside baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's our custom tag. Yes, let's talk about the state of YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, if if we're also if we're getting through all our social media and whatnot, um, we're also both on Letterbox. Uh, I think we'll put that somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. On. <laughs> on the screen Down. you know either side <laughs> this is going to be hell to edit um <laughs> around and uh right if i shift it around it will look really cool but i don't no, want to do that no, no, so no. Uh, i won't even put that idea Maybe in the description there. um <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure always uh we also both uh stream from time to time on twitch uh i stream as grumbly ghost talk or streams as polyverse so yeah those are both right twitch.tv slash grumbly ghost twitch.tv slash polyverse for some live streams yes talk to us about horror movies 
And It Lives on Tape is, as always and always will be, a Polyverse production. Um, and we there, there's a Discord uh, that you can join as well for, for Polyverse if you're keen uh, to chat with some like-minded creatives. Um, I know I've had a wonderful time in your humble abode. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, Toko. Yeah, we'll... It's a lovely place we'll to be. We'll certainly link the Discord as well. We may even make a little channel for the podcast where we can have some horror movie discussions with everyone in there. That'd be fun. Oh, right. That would be that would be lovely. So I'll talk to you about <laughs> this afterwards. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that's all. That's all that we really want to say there. I say slowly, <laughs> so talk or conjunction. <laughs> If they I'm tune wrong. in for the next <laughs> episode, which will most likely be They Can Run. All about zombies. They Can Run? Yeah, we did say in our episode zero that that would be our first episode. Um, but it's taking a lot of research. It's a hard topic to talk about. Um, and we want to do it. We want to do it at least some justice. Oh, yeah. um, we want this to be a good place to come to to get like an initial primer on a subject so you can go off and uh, and you know have some newfound appreciation for something that you already know about and you know maybe you want another perspective on so we're trying to bring that with this with this next episode as well um, heck yeah I'm very excited for that it's going to be a deep yeah. dive into the world of zombies I've been watching every single zombie movie that's ever been made I'm 1000 deep <laughs> I'm re-watching uh, The Walking Dead every spin-off series of Walking Dead <laughs> no oh, I'm not doing that much I'm not doing that much research but I am doing research. You know it's about running yeah. zombies, right? It's it's just about movies that I would Wait die a minute. In. What? Uh, <laughs> I've been researching all I've been going through an order of speed and I've been I'm I haven't gone to the running ones yet. I'm still at the walking zombies. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, what that what must that list look like? That's it's like uh, the evolution. That's ridiculous. It's like the evolution tree of zombies. Right. They're like on the ground crawling and then they're walking and then they're running. <laughs> i like that you're talking about the uh the evolution of man yeah. like going from from ape to, to exactly human. yeah that's that's amazing that would make an awesome t-shirt yeah it may it maybe it already is but we could make it if it isn't don't steal that idea God damn. you assholes who are listening to us <laughs> We control the release of this information. We could just hold this episode until we make yeah, the show. Exactly. It's already been made. Um, it's already patented. But we do want to release this episode. It's already patented, <laughs> so don't bother trying to steal it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We've, we're right ahead of you. Uh, we have we own the rights <laughs> to this show. Oh. Don't, even, don't even look. <laughs> also, a final cliffhanger that I haven't even discussed with you yet my good friend oh no <laughs> and this may not even become an episode but i had another idea for a future episode the other day and i'll just say the words oh, well, and then we'll, we'll end the episode after i say it we'll give our reaction and we'll end the episode and then we'll talk about it uh -huh. wait before you okay, say go ahead, that go ahead. Yeah, can yeah, i yeah, just say ahead. 
we've we've been it lives on tape uh you've been lovely thank you so much for for tuning in and watching this far uh if 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 you if you're still here um yeah uh this this is a a a great a great thing to do to to have a chat with a with a good friend about a horror movie um thanks thanks for for sticking around and watching we we love horror movies man so we we love horror movies (laughs) and we hope that you guys enjoy hearing us talk about horror movies because we love talking to each other about horror movies and we want to discuss some more with you so thanks for joining us on the ride appreciate it and uh sorry let's on that note what is this uh singular this is the potential title and then i'm gonna i'm gonna stop recording after we react to this okay 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 paranormal inactivity (laughs) (laughs) what could this mean okay (laughs) 